0: You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth. And this week I'm joined by Heather Matthews, who is partner and managing director of Littles, um, who are a business based up in Glasgow. Um, They have been featured recently in a a Guardian article, which I picked up and uh, I spoke to Heather and and asked if she'd like to come and share her story on the show. And and I'm delighted to say that um, she has. So firstly, Heather, welcome to the uh, Family Business Podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Um, So as I say, you you are the the managing director of um, Littles. Um, Could could you explain a bit more about uh, what the business um, do and, and how you came to be doing your role today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Littles is one of the UK's longest standing and most respected chauffeur drive businesses. Um, The company was founded in 1966 in Glasgow by my father, George Wills, and my uncle, Mike. And today we're still based in the city, but operate a global service that specialises in managing transport logistics for high-end corporate and leisure clients, uh, including financial roadshows, major sporting and entertainment events, VIP transport, and luxury leisure tours. So it's a very large and broad market that we look after.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our clients have included heads of states, movie stars, as well as we've done very large events. The most recent ones would be the 2014 Glasgow Commonwealth Games and the Ryder Cup, both in the same year. Uh-huh. We were in the summit very heavily back in 2005. Um, the MTV Awards when they have been in Glasgow, Uh, the Metier Darch Chanel fashion show in 2012, which was at the Mythical Palace and for which we provided over 140 black cars. Wow. We get involved in the Open Golf Championship every year. So we really are um, very, very involved in any big thing that comes into Scotland, but we're also concentrating on worldwide events as well. We looked after the transport at the Shanghai Grand Prix for one of the major, or one of the F1 teams Mm -hmm. earlier. so uh, we do lots of different things. My background is uh, my dad started the business in 1966. I came into the business myself in the early 90s, having not necessarily thought I would do so. Growing up, it was never an expectation. But I came in uh, initially to help my dad with a marketing project in in the early 90s, and I then became partner in 1997. And then following our
0: succession process, became Managing Director in 2005. Fantastic. So you mentioned there that your, your role has changed um, sort of throughout the, uh, over the years that you've been involved um, in the business. Uh, and that was not necessarily a, um, a, a plan at outset for, for that to happen. Um, what was behind the, the sort of decision to remain within the business after that initial project?
1: I think I found out that I I really liked it. And I think in family businesses where the younger members are expected to come into the business, there's a lot of pressure put on them and expectation doesn't always work out for people because they end up doing something more out of obligation than anything else. And I think for me, I didn't have that pressure. I genuinely came in just to help my dad with a marketing project and realised that I really enjoyed it and enjoyed working with the people who'd worked with him for many years. And I saw a future here and I I then was lucky enough to be offered um, a job in the reservations department. At that point, I was still doing about three other jobs, as you in your 20s, um, working in pubs and all the usual things. And I uh, took on a, a role in the reservations department and I was within that department for five years. And at that point, was is myself and two other people, um, one of whom still works for me, which is fabulous. Mm. I did that for five years, which allowed me to really get a thorough grounding in the business and and, you know at the gold face as it were and after that in 1997 my dad asked me to be a partner so my role changed at that point I would say significantly I then began to realize that my long-term future was in the company and start we started at that point looking at what what I would need to do to to fill my dad's shoes at some point at that point in the
0: future. So would you say that was when the discussion started about you taking on um, the business from your dad?
1: Well, I think there was an implicit suggestion because I'd been made a partner, but we really didn't start to talk about succession until the early 2000s. And even then, it was still a very vague discussion, but we started to look at it seriously in 2002, 2003, and that was when um, the whole process really began.
0: And you mentioned in the... um the, the Guardian article, which we, we will link in the show notes for, for people who want to go and have a read of that. You mentioned that the, the importance of discussions being held in a, a sort of an open and honest manner with, with everything on the table. Um, do, do you stand by that given, um, I mean, your succession was in 2005, so um, it's had a long time to bed in. Um, do, do, would you stand by that advice now that, that it, it has to be in an open and honest way?
1: Absolutely. It's so important because you all want the same thing, which is essentially a success. So succession and the business continuing long into the future. And family businesses are, are in it for the long term by their very nature. and So many family businesses fail at the time of succession because people aren't open and honest about what they want. We were extremely fortunate that there was... Um, At that time, locally to us, Glasgow Caledonian University, were running um, a a course on succession planning and and family businesses, and we were extremely fortunate to get involved in that. And that was a two-year project and allowed us to meet other family businesses, and it was all about being open and honest and and talking to other people about their experiences and um, their thoughts for the future, which was incredibly helpful.
0: Mm. And we hear um, quite often with uh, family businesses that the succession discussions are left, um, they're sort of swept under the carpet and and left um, too late. So it shows some foresight on on both yourself and your your, um, dad's part that those discussions started to happen um, prior to their needing to be, you know, that it wasn't a six-month lead in time. Uh, You're saying it it was done over a a few years. Um, Was that deliberate or did, did... is that just a case of that's how it happened?
1: Um, I could say it was deliberate, but I think that's just how it happens. <laughs> I would urge other people to do it the same way. I think it takes a lot longer than you think, and I think therefore starting earlier is, is key. You don't want to be doing it when... The outgoing generation is just desperate to retire and wants out of the business. You want to do it when the business is still flourishing, the younger generation are still learning, and you start putting plans in place for the transition of knowledge. Because that's that's one of the biggest things that, that my dad had to pass on to me um, was the ins and outs of how you actually ran the business and there's a lot more to that than you can than you can learn or be passed and that can't be passed over in a short period of time mm. there really needs to be a long a long process to make sure that's done properly
0: and especially if you look at the, the progression from from where the business started to to where it is now um am i right in thinking it started with three cars
1: Yes, my dad, um, in his 20s, bought three cars from a man called George Little, which is why the company is called Littles, and it's not our family name. And George Little was emigrating to Australia, and my dad and his brother, um, Mike, uh, who was a very good mechanic, the two of them decided they would buy these three cars from this chap and take over his, what was then a taxi business. And the growth of the company was you know, relatively slow, and certainly in today's terms, in 1979, they had about 10 cars, and they just very gradually grew the business and, and then diverted or changed the outlook from being taxis to, to being a much high-end, more high-end product certainly um, introduced the concept of chauffeur drive, which really didn't exist back then.
0: Mm. And um, I know as well that you use technology to sort of keep uh, in touch with your um, customers and clients. And what was behind the um, uh, move into sort of the more technologically advanced stuff and the, the the diversification away from um, sort of into chauffeurs rather than, than the taxi business? Um,
1: I think that the, uh, the needs and demands of our clients continually evolve. And, and my biggest challenge um, is to always be one step ahead of these sort of things and keep implementing change. But at the same time, I need to balance modernization with total respect for the great chauffeur drive traditions which has been at the heart of the business um, since its inception. I think the move from taxis to chauffeurs came pretty quickly um, because my dad realised that the, the, the higher end of the market was something he would get more repeat business with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's core to our business, is the fact that we have uh, a lot of very loyal clients who use us because of the level of customer service that we offer. And my dad was always very, very customer service focused. He always looked, looked, looked at it from the the point of view of being the client and what would the client want. And he really was innovative in his time in terms of the level of service that he was offering and, and, and the company grew as a, as a result.
0: And I guess that helps with um, things like family values being, being passed down in that um, it, it's perhaps harder to pass those uh, values and standards down to, to non-family members, whereas if you've been brought up with those values around you, it's something that you feel is right to continue
1: yeah, I think it's just um, part of who we are. The business was always there when I was growing up and I didn't necessarily think I was ever going to be involved in it, but it was always around and my dad's whole outlook on life was, was always about um, looking after people and the clients that we had and and growing the business. So, yes, absolutely, it's, it's natural that I feel exactly the same way. And,
0: and given that you grew up um, around or with the business around you, what sort of issues, or did you did you encounter any issues um, when you were looking to um, change from the marketing role, and then into you went into the reservations, and then into the, the partnership role? Did you encounter any um, issues or challenges uh, at that stage? Um, we often hear with perhaps non-family employees feeling that you're there because of your name um, rather than because of your um, skill set. Was that anything you had to overcome?
1: Um, not really. I certainly think within the business, there was, um, was It wouldn't say it was relief, but there was certainly, I, I was congratulated by the long-term um, members of staff when I was made a partner. I distinctly remember our, one of the chauffeurs coming in and shaking me by the hand. He didn't say anything, he just shook my hand because mm-hmm. he'd been I'd made a partner. And I think from his point of view, that just meant that the business was was looking ahead to the future and would continue, so I think there's a there's a real um, there's a real feeling amongst people who work for family businesses that that the younger generation are the future and if they are brought in properly and trained properly and the business continues that's for everyone's benefit yeah I think in terms of any other issues i didn 't really face any issues i've always been very keen. To um, educate myself as much as I can, I, I you know, I've, I've, in, in recent times, I've been very proactive in going out and, and talking to as many people as I can, and, and taking taking as much advice as I can from other business leaders. Because I think to run a business in complete isolation um, is not something that is wise. <laughs> There's a lot of brilliant leadership um, advice out there, and I'm, I'm happily going to, to look at all of it and. and take as much of that on board as it can, because as I said, it's all about making sure that the business continues into the future and we remain a market leader within, within our own, within our own um, particular niche.
0: Mm. And you mentioned that you, you had some um, support from a local university that, uh, over a couple of years. What, was that, what did that support look like? How did they um, particularly help you?
1: Well, it was run by um, Glasgow Caledonian University and it was called the Centre for Family Enterprise and it was within the university. And it was really uh, calling on lots of research that had been done um, around family businesses. And we, when we first went along, we knew nothing about any of this. And, and it was just really interesting to see that there actually was scientific knowledge about family businesses and the problems that they might face. And, and we just... You know, our eyes were open to that and it was amazing. But one of the biggest things that we really found helpful was speaking to other family businesses because you go along to this, you know, the first day of this um, course essentially and you're not sure what to expect, but then you sit next to someone who's also perhaps the daughter of the founder of a company and you realise there's so many synergies between you all and you're not in it alone anymore. And that was one of the, the key things that that we all felt even from day one, um, there was so much out there in terms of academic help but there was also so much um, we could do by just speaking to other families.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the um, key sort of uh, messages that we come across uh, very often is that a lot of family businesses do feel alone and feel that they're the only people facing the issues that they're facing and whilst the personalities might be different that the transitions from one generation to another, there are familiarities ir- irrespective of, um, you know, family name or, or what um, profession you're uh, working within.
1: Absolutely. There's so many, different, so many things that are, are similar. And because so many businesses still fail at succession, then um, family businesses getting together and talking to each other about it can only be a good thing. Um, if people can learn from each other what's worked, what hasn't worked, then, then hopefully then lots of family businesses will continue beyond the generation um, one to two or, or further on. And I realise that our situation is still relatively simple because it was my dad to myself. My sister's a doctor, she so was not um, interested. But I think once family businesses get further down the line and it gets much more complex and you've got lots of siblings or cousins, then it's even more important. That then external help is sought and advice is is, is listened to.
0: Yeah, uh, and um, as well as um, other families, what what sort of professional advice did you take in terms of the um, succession plan?
1: Um, I think I think the key thing was just to talk a lot. I mean, there was there was there were some research um, items that we had to look at, and we spent quite a long time learning about different models of family businesses that could work um, and we then were able to go forward with the one that suited us best in that situation.
0: Okay and uh, in terms of um, changes that have have happened within uh, the business since you um, took over is your uncle still involved in the business?
1: Not officially, but he still occasionally will um, assist me if I've got a problem. He's, he's in our, our head office is in Glasgow, and he lives in Edinburgh. And I have an Edinburgh garage where my Edinburgh chauffeurs work from. And, you know, if something goes wrong at the garage, I can still phone my Uncle Mike and he'll go and fix it for me. So he's still, he's still very much, very much a part of it. But, um
0: officially no right okay so so since the um successions happened i know, I know your dad's still a, a partner as well isn't he yeah, um,
1: yeah. but
0: but not involved in the, in the day-to-day um, no what's changed the most uh, over that time um well we've, we've
1: got a lot more staff here than we used to have uh when I became a partner, there were only three people in reservations and my mum and my dad, and that was it. We now have 11 staff in the office. We've got a dedicated sales team. We have a general manager. We have all the things that you need to have to run a business such as this. Um, so much else has changed in technology. Uh, everyone's obviously aware of that. All the things that have changed but for us, that's, that's allowed us to run the business in a completely different way. We have developed <clears throat> a bespoke reservation system which allows us to monitor where the cars are at all times so um, we can send sms messages to the clients to tell them the name of the chauffeur and registration number where the vehicle's parked and um, the chauffeurs integrate with our system all the time so we know where they are so there's lots of things that make um, running the business um, easier at the same time you know email is something that people use and expect instant responses to so I need people who are in my reservations team who are just constantly looking after the, the level of inquiries that are coming in. But that's just part of adapting to change. And that's just part of what, what we've had to do in the last few years is, is look at the, the marketplace and, and see how we can continue to, to innovate and, and retain our clients. Because there's a lot of competition out there, um, in not necessarily within chauffeur drive, but within ways of getting from A to B. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of easy things like Uber, which people use. But I don't really see that as being a threat to us because our, our level of service is completely different. It's a big personal service that we offer. Um, but these things are, are on our peripheral vision and we're always looking at, at what's happening out there and what we can do to further uh, offer more more service to our clients and retain our clients.
0: Mm. And your business is an example of, of a, a family business that has been... Um, very successful in um, innovation and keeping up to, to date with, um, as you say, the technolo- technological changes, but, but also maintaining the um, focus on customer service. Um, how much do you put that down to to the fact that it is a, a family business with, with the values ingrained uh, within it?
1: I think it's key, to be honest. I think... I'm very values-driven. My staff all know that. They all buy into that, and that is the core of what we do. It's it's not about getting somebody from A to B. It's so much more than that. And our clients understand that, and my team understand that, and that's that's the only way we can run the business.
0: And how? I mean, your your staff clearly understand. Um, the values and and live the values. Uh, otherwise, the business wouldn't wouldn't be as successful as it is. But but how do you communicate those family values on to, to people who um, perhaps haven't grown up with it around them? Um, well, a
1: lot of my staff have worked for me for a very long time. We have an amazing staff retention. My reservations manager has been with us since 1988. Mm-hmm. My um, mechanics has been here for well over 30 years, our Edinburgh head show for over 20 years. So there's a core, the vast majority of the staff have been here a long time. New staff, as part of, of their induction process when they come in, are shown a company video that we shot just last year, which is a four-minute video all about our family values and where we've come from. My dad's in the video. And it's the sort of thing that is... Um, a quick way of, of allowing somebody to, to understand or start to understand what we stand for. And that really works. But we also underline that all the time. We're very actively involved in lots of things in the local community. I've got a team of my staff, who six of them are doing um, Sleep in the Park in Edinburgh on the 9th or 10th of December and need of Social Bites. We're very heavily involved in raising money for the Prince and Princess of Wales Hospice, which is building any hospice in the park across the road from our office. Nice. So there's lots of, of, of things that we as a company do together, which really underlines the values that are underpinning the whole business.
0: Okay, so, so it sounds like something that is, um, is deliberate and part of the, um, the ethos of the, the company. It's not something you take for granted
1: very deliberate it's very deliberate and it means that it's not just about our clients um, being loyal it's also about retaining your staff and staff are part of a business that has some sort of common good and a, a goal that they they, that they believe in they're more likely to stay and that's what you want you want your staff to believe in your company um, and be happy and then they, they deliver better results for you in the end but it's it's a very inclusive place to work my, my staff are all um they all get on very well. And this whole sleep in the park thing, they've all got right behind that. We had a charity car wash at the weekend and it was Edinburgh chauffeurs versus Glasgow chauffeurs. and mm-hmm. It was just, there was so much good banter about that and they raised over £700. Wow. So, you know, it's 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 really important. Yeah,
0: and I guess it goes back to what you were saying about the... Almost a sense of relief that was felt amongst um, the, the long-standing staff when, when you were made a, a partner, because they've obviously bought into the ethos of the company. And the alternative to, say, you taking the business on is for somebody from outside the family to do that. And there is a risk there that the values wouldn't be um, maintained in the same way. So, so that was um, possibly behind some of the relief felt when, when you did take on that partnership role
1: yeah i can i can assume that that's that would be if i was in that situation that would be my thinking but it's also to do with people just wanting to know their future safe Mm. um, and and that the business was not going to be sold potentially because you know if i hadn't taken over i'm not sure what what would have happened presumably it would have been sold um
0: whether,
1: whether it's a going concern or not i have no idea but yes that's that's certainly part of what was behind that sentiment i'm sure
0: Excellent. And how's your dad been in retirement? Has, has he found it an easy transition?
1: Well, he's just really busy. You know, he hasn't really stopped. Um, no. He's no longer involved day to day with littles at all, but he is very actively involved with um, with Rotary. He is uh, He's a keen golfer. He curls in the winter. He's just very, very active in everything else that he does. So um, it's not really felt that different for him, I don't no. think. He's not letting himself slow down anyway. I think a lot of
0: people perhaps stop working to stop and that certainly is not what happened with him. We see, um, as a day job, um, I'm a financial planner, so we, we work with um, people who, who were perhaps in your dad's position when he was, was looking to, to plan his succession. Um, and one of the, the key challenges we find um, uh, some people struggle with is a, a sense of identity or a sense of purpose beyond the business. And it sounds as if your dad's kind of got, got that nailed with, with the, the work that he's doing now.
1: Yeah, I think he's always been involved in lots of things like that anyway. But he also took on um, a role within a local uh, care home. He's the chairman of a care, a residential, a residential care home. He's very active in, in that as well. So he genuinely doesn't have much time left to do if <laughs> He just is constantly busy with other things, and, and yes, I think that I can see that that would be um, an issue for some people if their life has been their business, and then suddenly their business is transitioned to another member of their family. What they're going to do? But yeah, he's 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 continued to keep involved in lots of things that he did prior to to handing the business over to me, and that's that's kept him kept him interested.
0: Fantastic. And I know you covered this in the the um, Guardian uh, interview about your own succession. It's, it's perhaps too soon to, to talk about mm-hmm. specifics there. But but is it something you have at the back of your mind that you you know needs at some point to be addressed?
1: Yes and no. I I feel I'm too young for that yet. Yeah. But I have, you know, if my advice is starting early, then I suppose I need to listen to myself. But, yeah, my son's only eight. He's only in primary four. We're a long way off thinking okay. about things like that. But we do, we have we have ambitious plans for the future of the company and growing the company. We're, we're trying to, to grow into North America at the moment. I've been to New York very recently to, to try and grow things over there and go back again in January. So you know, we, are, we are always looking ahead, and then you just need to factor in. Well, who's, who's actually gonna be taking that forward in 15 or 20 years? And if that's my son, great. If it's not, who's it gonna be?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, I suppose
0: it is a very, very back of my mind. Yeah, and as you say, when you're um, clearly an ambitious business um, and an innovative business, um, it, it's, you know, there's much more exciting things to be working on um, than necessarily thinking 25 years down the line as to, to when you might want to be um, looking at the exit. Mm-hmm.
1: But but it's important that you do it, I suppose. Yeah. It's important thinking about it. Um, and have some idea of what might
0: happen. Fantastic. Um, Given your experiences, um, is there a single tip that you would give to other family business who are perhaps thinking or may not be thinking about their own succession plans?
1: I think the key thing is get external help. I think there's a lot of help out there, more perhaps than there even was 10 years ago when we started looking at it. Um, there's a lot of people who can assist don't just go to your lawyer or accountant that's known you forever and ask their advice although that may be good advice there is a lot of research that can help you and perhaps offer solutions that you haven't thought of and just promote or provoke thought within the process rather than just Assuming that what what would happen is you, you you hand over from one generation to another, there may be other options and other ways of doing it, and, and just working through all your options with an external advisor or more than one, and so you come up with the right decision because it's just so important to get yeah. it right.
0: And I think as well that the key with some of the uh, or the majority of the research that, that's being done and, and research into family firms is still a relatively young. Um, field especially relative to how old family business um, is but it's an understanding that it's not going to be people in white coats sort of prodding and poking it, it's uh, it's proper academic research that's been conducted um, with the assistance of family businesses such as your own for example um, so, so it's and it is very accessible now that the research yeah. it's not something that is um, squirreled away so um, I think understanding how accessible that help can be um, is important as well. Absolutely. I
1: totally agree. There's a lot of really good people out there who are very approachable, who really know their stuff, and can help.
0: Excellent. Um, that, that's been a, a really useful insight um, for, for, for me, certainly, and also I'm sure for, for our um, audience. Um, if people want to find more out about uh, either you or, or your business, where can they do that?
1: Well, they can do that at our website, which is uh, littles.co.uk. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Heather Matthews. And uh, there are various things online. I've been relatively active in the last couple of years from a PR point of view. So there's various articles that have been published. Um, business quarterly, there was something there relatively recently. Um, and also the Guardian article as well
0: yeah and what we'll do in the show notes as I say is put a link up to all of those sites and and your LinkedIn and Twitter profiles if you're happy for us to do so
1: Yeah, great.
0: excellent uh, well thank you very much for your time and for your um, insights and honesty it's been as I say very useful uh, and um, I hope you've enjoyed it
1: I have thank you very much Russell
0: thank you That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.